This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 380. Stephen Rollins on Breaking Barriers with Hypnosis. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Hey, it's Jason Lynette, and this is where, if you've been listening to this podcast for quite some time, which is easy to say is this Work Smart Hypnosis series has been coming out for over eight years now. Normally, I would come on and give you a big introduction to the session. Normally, I would make a rather brief and polite invitation to join one of my programs, one of the training communities that I run. Yet with this week's episode, I got to change it up because I don't want to waste any time jumping into this conversation, because some of you may already know Stephen Rollins, and when I title this episode Breaking Barriers with Hypnosis, you might have an expectation as to what he might talk about, and yes, he is going to, but buckle up. He is going to take this in some other directions you haven't yet considered, and this is a story everyone in this industry needs to hear. And there's the goosebumps, if you could hear it through the recording. So we're diving directly in. Here we go. Episode number 380, Stephen Rollins on Breaking Barriers with Hypnosis. I found myself at a hypnosis class. I don't remember. It was just it's just a, a, hypno, a regular hypnosis 101 class. I said, what the heck? Let me go check it out. I watched it and... Uh, uh, the lady had been doing hypnosis for 20 years. First off, she was a black hypnotist, so that got my attention. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and she's a female hypnotist. That got my attention. But anyway, I watched the show, and I looked at it, and I said, that's got to be BS. There's this, – none of this is – none. this can't be right. So I, I, met, I hung out with her a little bit afterwards. We chatted. And uh, – and I challenged myself to to learn it. It's it, either it's some kind of a carnival trick, or it's real. And you know, my mm-hmm. bachelor's is uh, psychology, my master's is homeland security, but my bachelor's is psychology. So I had an interest in the power of the mind and the mind's ability to do things and heal and all kinds of stuff. So this this it had an interest to me. I was just retiring from the Marine Corps, and I said, you know, I'm I'm going to go ahead and learn this. And as I when I had some time. And got things together and uh, got married and all this other stuff, that, all this other life stuff that happened. I went ahead, got some training, got certified, and uh, it's like, holy cats, it works. Oh, my God, it works. <laughs> <laughs> and I think everybody does that same thing. That first time around, you go, oh, oh my God, it works. Yep. And, and, then, and then, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to be helping this person with something. <laughs> Mine was the uh, sort of a stage hypnosis kind of demo around a group of friends, and it was a uh, – at a public place, so some other people like, oh, can I do that too? And it was then girlfriend, now wife, who goes, that was good, except for the part where you turned around and had the look on your face of, holy fill in the blank, it's actually working. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's something we need to all add to our trainings of how to maintain <laughs> the coolest to go, oh, they weren't lying, really? <laughs> it really, even though I've been training for this for weeks, I've been studying it and observing it and training, it actually worked when I did it. Well, that's when I do like my certification events, there sometimes is the moment because we draw a crowd where half of them are brand new and half of them other have half of them have other experience already. And there I have found there's the magic moment to go. Could I just do one thing before we dive into the material today? 
Um, those of you who have been doing this already and just are here for, you know, sharpening the ax, learning more strategies, can you all like ratify for these newbies that, yeah, this stuff actually works and like the stuff I've been teaching is the stuff we actually do in our sessions. Okay, good. Now back to the, because <laughs> there's that when you're off to the side, it's the, wait, really? And instead, once we're in it, I I've got to ask though, because you, you hinted at this earlier of, you know, bachelor's psychology, master's homeland security, power of the mind. What is it, if you can remember or even define it now, what is it that made, let's say, the hypnosis kind of stand out to you and pique the curiosity in the first place? I wanted to uh, help people. I, I, I do a number of different things. I've run charities. I've uh, done financial counseling and credit repair and what have you. And this, this, this ability, you know, as I observed it with other hypnotists and found out that this is something that I could learn to do, it was, it's a way for me to help people with quality of life. And it, that, that really, really appealed to me that this is a way that I can help people. Yeah. So then going into the training, and this is something, you know, I'll say from the start that I really appreciate about you, which is that I've known you for a bunch of years. You're, you know, usually in the DC metro area. I used to live in the DC metro area. I'm sure we're going to come around to the fact that you are not there right now, which is going to be a big topic we're about to get into. Uh, yet it's that you really do have a gift for the way that here's the work that you clearly do. And here's then the hypnosis side of things. And uh, you've made it no mystery that, you know, here's who Stephen is. And here's the two worlds that you are a part of. So for those that are, are, are new to you, in addition to the fact that yes, you see clients, and I'm sure we're to come around to how most of the people find you by way of word of mouth. Yes, you offer trainings, but can you kind of give us an insight for those that are new to you inside of the work that you're uh, presently doing as, as, as much as you can share yeah, that in the program? I, I, <laughs> oh, there's a, there's a knowing laugh that sets the stage for where we're about to go. So my master's is Homeland Security with a specialization in countering weapons of mass destruction. So that strategic level... Uh, how to stop people from doing bad things and what to do if they actually manage to get away with it. You know what they say, we have to be right every time. They only have to be right once. Um, yeah. So I, I did that. I did similar to that. I did chem bio warfare in the Marine Corps for 20 something years. I got my, I saw this as a, I saw that as a clear gap that the Marine Corps hadn't embraced yet. Got my master's in that came back to the Marine Corps as, as a retiree and created this created they, they created the position for me to be able to to do that so then i wrote doctrine and and did analysis and all that stuff and i did that for uh, up until uh, 2019 actually uh supporting headquarters in marine corps working with the joint community department of defense international audiences all that sort of thing that's that's the that's the other part of of my life all right, so give us a list of the stuff we actually be, should be afraid of. <laughs> no. Okay, no. Uh, let's focus on the. <laughs> I, I've had clients over the years when I was in the Virginia area, and uh, the one time someone said something, and he kind of backtracked. And yes, I know there's different, you know, categories of this, which some people have corrected me on this. He goes, "Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. That's confidential." I'm like, "No, I'm pretty sure what you just said is confidential." <laughs> um. When did the, I, I slipped one time and this was not military service, but I asked the client, you know, well, if, can you track when the sleeping problems first started? And he told me, and it, apparently the response I shouldn't have said out loud was, oh, I read that news article. That was you. Mm. 
that is not how you build rapport. Luckily, he laughed it off and goes, yeah, but here's what we've done about it. And here's how that kind of issue we've now got systems because I screwed up. No one got hurt, uh, but they could have. Um, we've now got systems to prevent that. So the fact that I messed up means that I got to be on the team to strategize how to never let this happen again. Mm. Uh, I was like, good, I, I feel better now. And it was more, we'll say, bridging the gap between civilian and military. Uh, so then let's kind of come back to that in a moment. We, we planted the seed already. Yes. So where are you recording from right now? So without getting into too much about what my job is here, right now I'm in Riyadh, yeah. Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'll just say I'm supporting the Ministry of Defense over here in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And uh, it's been yeah. just fascinating, absolutely fantastic to be over here. And there's some specific nuances that I know that I'm going to purposefully direct you towards in a bit in terms of, you know, breaking some of the barriers as to how we can introduce hypnosis. But let's kind of go back inside of that origin story, uh, which is you're fully employed. Here came the hypnosis training. Mm -hmm. At what point after that did you start to work with clients? Uh, It took it took me a little bit. It took me a little bit. I Mm -hmm. I, uh, I, you know, I work with, I, <laughs> I practiced a lot. I work with friends, family, neighbors, anybody that would say yes. And, uh, and then, it, so uh, it took me a good year to, to actually say, you know what, let me start, let me start really doing this for real. And, uh, and, and then since I don't have a brick and mortar, I don't have an actual, you know, office, I get a, I, my, my work was referrals, which means anything that comes to the door that, that I, that I felt was in my wheelhouse. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't do medicine. I don't do therapy, you know, but I can help people with a lot of these everyday problems. I can help a lot of this. If, if everything from I lost this to this hurts to, you know, to I need to get more sleep. I was able to do all of that. And I just started really getting into that. Yeah. So inside of that, you know, the beauty of what we do and also one of the challenges of what we do is that we all kind of have different approaches, different style. We all may end up learning from similar people. You know, there were, when I was in Virginia, there were other people who were training courses too. And there's mm-hmm. sometimes the question of, well, did you take their class? I'm like, well, no. So I can't comment directly on their event, but I can say I learned from some of the same people. Um, that That's about as the most I can say. So w- would you say that there was there's a specific style, a specific approach, a specific way that you address the change process. Um, I, 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 so when I when I teach my classes with my students, I try to encourage them to to be original. I I, I give them the element as a foundation, but I also do a, a a lengthy class on how do you mod, how do you take what you know from how do you take what you can use from all the different styles. So we go through all these different kinds of inductions to expose them to it. And then I show them my modifications, say, look, here's a little bit of uh, in, in the beginning part, I use some progressive relaxation. Then we do more more conventional element. Then I'm using uh, guided imagery. Now here I'm using the an, another deepener. Here I'm using, you know, so I I, I, I like to try to, to, to look for the best. It's sort of the Kung Fu of hypnosis. I like to try to find the best of all the other styles and try to try to, to take what I can use, what fits my style from other styles. Yeah, and I really appreciate that as opposed to the, I'm going to brand myself as I do parts therapy, mm-hmm. I do regression. Instead, it's all these tools are flexible. It's how we apply them to the person who's in front of us. And 
You know, for anyone, I love that you mentioned the progressive muscle relaxation. There were some for a while who were trying to say that's not even a hypnotic induction. When, well, yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's the most researched one. And also, what is the goal of that? And isn't that relaxation kind of the opposite of how everything that comes into us is some kind of a stress response? Mm -hmm. And if only there was a thing that helped to relieve stress. <laughs> Man, if one day we find one of those things, someone, someone, please let me let me know. Uh, I love what you said though about how not having the brick and mortar space, not even you know putting out an official presence of it. So I know even these days, most of the client work that you would do, and even the students would come in by way of word of mouth. Yes. Was that something that you had some strategies to make happen or is that just kind of what happened naturally over time? It, it, it happened naturally over time, but it fit the fact that I I do have a, a, a regular full-time job that takes up a good deal of my time. So it kind of allowed me to, to do hypnosis without having letting that be eight hours of my day. Uh, that's that's the that's the best I can say. I I I I, I do a lot of hypnosis one hundred and ones. I do a lot of hypnosis education, and uh, and I, I because I like I've been teaching for forty years. I like educating. I like I like exposing people to new information, and I like work um, informing people about what hypnosis really is. And that that has helped me with my quest to get it to get more involved in the African American community. It's mm -hmm. helped me in a, in a number over here. It's helped me in a number of ways because most people, all they know about hypnosis is what they see on, as you know, is what they see on TV or the movies, or, and, or even a stage show. Nothing, obviously, you know, nothing against the stage show people, but they don't know what hypnosis really is. They just know what they think it is from what they see. Oh, he made him do something, you know. So, so, but from the hypnosis one on ones. Usually I get a few head nods and like, oh, well, you know, does it, can you help me with this? Well, sure I can. Let, let's put you on the spot then. So like, what's your answer when that question pops up? Is it like what we've seen on TV? Is it this? Is it that? How do you basically do the classic debunking and go, here's what it really is? What's your phrasing around that? Uh, that's, what I, that's what I actually do. I go, I go through uh, um, a list of about seven most common myths that I've heard. Oh, I've, I've heard you can't make anybody do anything they wouldn't really want to do. Uh, I don't want to be, I don't want to stay asleep. And I don't want to end up, you know, I don't want to, I want to, I want to remember everything. Well, of course you will. You remember everything, you'll hear everything, which is always funny because they, they look at me later and says, I didn't think that was going to work. Well, why? Because I, <laughs> you know, I heard everything you said, so I didn't think I was hypnotized. Okay. I, I told you, you were going to hear everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know, but I did. I heard everything. Yeah. Uh, which is what I said. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so I just, I just, I go through, that's, that's my class is. I go through everyday examples of that they've been doing this their whole lives. And then I go through or I give them, I like to give them the opportunity to ask questions. Because usually it's, it'll be the same seven to 10 questions. And if, yeah. and if they don't <laughs> ask them all, then I throw in the others. And the process of undoing their fear of it makes them more open to it. Just, just having somebody be able to um, calmly, clearly, intelligently explain Okay, that's not true because of this. Okay, yeah, I, I've heard that too. That's not true because of this. And it's all rapport building. I love that, especially because you hit something in there about calmly and clearly explain it, which pulls out the internal dialogue that I had when early on what built my business was going out and doing, you know, Chamber of Commerce and Business Networking International, BNI groups and all these different networking groups. Mm -hmm. And the internal dialogue was represent what you're passionate about 
professionally, prove you're not weird, uh, and that'll bring in clients. Yeah. <laughs> so that it wasn't yeah. the story they were telling themselves of the mystical creature. Mm -hmm. um, instead, it's this, this fiend who's going to pounce on them. Yeah. And I, I got a credit of all people, the magicians, Penn and Teller, who were not David Copperfield doing all the poses and playing a lot of Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins music in the 90s and dancing to it. Instead, Penn and Teller were the guys wearing business suits who, quote, just knew how to do a couple of really cool things and kind of letting the dialogue be a little bit more normal and just straightforward. Yeah. Uh, I already told you before we started recording, these are more conversations than interviews. So uh, you mind if I share a quick thing on that different oh. than stage hypnosis? Bit? No, please do. Yeah. So I will clarify when I tell this story uh, that this is not the only reason why stage hypnosis works, but it's perhaps about maybe 10 to 15% of it. The rest of it is, quote, depending on the skills of the hypnotist. Yet the reason why that's actually the same thing as the therapeutic work is because hypnotist comes out and tells the audience what's going to happen and doesn't point and say, you're my volunteer, you're my volunteer, instead invites people to come up. So the audience has already been told kind of what's going to happen, they then call for people who already have consciously and perhaps even subconsciously agreed that's mm -hmm. probably what's going to happen. And again, this might only be 10 to 15% of it, yet then because of that expectation, they're compliant with the hypnotic suggestions that create the hypnotic state, to which then, without taking any of the magic away, is there any surprise that that's then what's happening? So at the core of it, it's the same as when you're in front of me as my client, I am helping to amplify what you want. Mm -hmm. So the people who volunteered for that show wanted to be on that show. And maybe as many hypnotists say in the stage environment, you're going to be one of the stars of the show. And they're accepting that suggestion by coming up there, which is why in the middle of the session, you want me to talk about weight loss. And suddenly I say, take off your clothes and stand on your head in the corner. You'd open your eyes and look at me and go, no, <laughs> which is why I'm not going to suggest that it comes around to the compliance and the expectation. Yes, I agree. I, I do the same. I do a very similar discussion. I say, I heard you can't, you can't make anybody do anything that you wouldn't do in, in hypnosis, but I see them on stage doing things they wouldn't ordinarily do. I say, well, let's, let's put that in context for a second. They bought a ticket to a stage hypnosis show. They went to a stage hypnosis show. Yeah. When the, hip, when the hypnotist says, who wants to come up, they put their hand in the air, <laughs> you know, and they got up on stage. So their, their mind understands I'm here to have fun in a stage hypnosis show. <laughs> They've done a lot of the work already. Absolutely. And again, the, the ability to respond, and this is not meant to be the old bit from Mad Magazine of snappy answers to stupid questions. It's instead, these are the things we can explain. And I, I bring this up because there's sometimes oh, but someone said hypnosis is this, or I should mm -hmm. call it something else because of that. And it's not because others are saying that, it's because that new student is somewhere in their mind agreeing with those fears and concerns. Mm -hmm. And listen to the calm nature, everybody, that Stephen's just going, well, here's what it is. Here's how it actually works. And that conveys a greater, let's use the word influence, and a greater you know, clarity of how we understand something and explain something uh, that then is, I'd say, more contagious than the fear, to say it politely. Definitely. I get more people that say, you know, I was afraid of hypnosis, but 
you seem to be having a lot of fun talking about it. And you, you, you did it. You, you're so casual as you talk about it. It made me, it took, it took the fear out of it. Which let's, so, let's bring that now to okay. what you've now done in another part of the world uh, to bring hypnosis to a community that very clearly had some other opinions before you showed mm -hmm. up. I'll, I'll let you kind of take the stage because you can tell it okay. better than I can. <laughs> So I got over here, and so the, 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 the kingdom of Saudi Arabia has gone undergone an incredible amount of cultural change over the last few years. For example, just a, just a, a short time ago, five years ago maybe, women weren't legally weren't allowed to drive. So, and there's lots of other, lots of things that have changed as, as they're going through this whole Vision 2030. You can look it up to see the, see the, the stratagem for the nation for uh, for for uh, modernization, let's just call it that for modernization, and and they're doing it as the 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 home of Mecca, you know, for the Islamic world, and and so they're 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 taking a, a genuine leadership role in okay, we are modernizing, but still staying true to our roots. So I, um, as I started venturing out, trying to find out, okay, can I do hypnosis? How do I do hypnosis over here? Uh, some some of the things that have changed are like we're seeing more. Uh, I, I I would go to a game night and there's men and women in the same room able to talk to each other. That's something that just wasn't happening. They had religious police just a few years ago who would who who would do things to people for something like that. Um. So 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 this is not the younger people, the you know, the, or the people who are embracing all of this. It, it's it's uh, it's more allowed. It's more allowable. So I was able to do uh, a, a hypnosis one on one class, a, a basic class, and people came out to it. Great. I was able to do a couple online, and people came out. Great. But there's still the rules have changed, but the culture's the same. Mm -hmm. the, you know, and the culture is still trying to catch up. The closest analogy I've been able to draw in my mind is. Imagine being in the South right around the time I was born, 1964, right after the Civil Rights Act of 64 gets passed. So desegregation is, in, is, is the law. No more segregation. Great. They changed the law, but the culture was still there. Mm, yeah. And that takes time. That takes time, time, time. People have to age out. You know, old thinking gets replaced by younger thinking so that the laws here have changed. But people are still very cautious. That's a very, just to jump in, that's a very insightful thing that occurs that even as, again, as laws change, as cultures change, and even over time, I hesitate to quote a comedian with this reference, but what about the people who went to hell for eating meat on Fridays and suddenly that was okay? Uh, <laughs> as cultures change, it doesn't mean it's a flip of a switch and everything is then different. Right. There's time. And I, I, I have a moment when I was the stage hypnotist and all the colorful details of this moment need not apply because it wasn't even the show. I'd, I was doing an assembly program at the high school and then I was doing a fundraising program that evening. And I walked into a local restaurant and just said to the bartender who was the only server that day going, hey, um, I'm the guy doing the show at the school and I'm going to sit in that booth and use your Wi-Fi and I'm going to have lunch. And I'm going to have dinner and I'm probably going to tip like 40% if you let me hang out. And he goes, all right. And it's the scene out of The Simpsons where the guy behind the bar 
the someone sitting at the bar drinking at 11 a.m uh <laughs> says mm-hmm. something i believe the technical term is talks out of his ass and it's like the bartender then like most sizzlack on the simpsons slams the shotgun on the bar top and goes i'm gonna ask you to leave not to me but mm. to the guy who said the offensive thing um awkward silence and i finally broke the silence with wait he didn't pay what do i have to pay what do i have to say to not have to pay either he goes <laughs> he, he laughs and he goes shotgun's not even real it's a toy <laughs> i'm like man <laughs> there's the anxiety spike gone but what he said next would sound cruel but it's something that you said and yes as people who can support positive change and yes let's help people become more flexible and look for new understandings I have to say the man who said the thing was probably in his 90s, and it's not my language. I'm only quoting the guy who said the offensive thing, who just said, I don't let it bother me because sometimes society's just waiting for folks like that to pass on. Mm-hmm. Like That's a phrase that I'm sure stung, but it's like, well, yeah, let's see what we can do to move the communication further, which kind of brings us back inside of the story, though, as to how here's where the laws changed, but the culture was slow to kind of move on from there. And, and, and in many ways still is, I have a, I run a, a, a group on meetup specifically for over here and I have 165 people can't get them to talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody's, everybody's watching to see what happens watching. Cause the, 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 the other part about that is of that cultural change is it's very easy in that in the example of the end of segregation uh, for me to say for me to as, have been a, a black person in the south and, and you know at, at that time and say well hmm, I'm gonna go sit down on the counter and have lunch and I very well might get lunch I very well might get got get beat up by everybody in the restaurant too so everybody here is we're we're not sure if things are gonna change back tomorrow mm-hmm. or or not. So, so they're, they're hesitant, but curious. And that's the curious part I'm good with. So I've, I've done maybe a dozen classes of, of you know, and I've met some other, uh, there's maybe seven hypnotists in the country that I've been able to locate and only one has actually responded. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I've had to, to do some research and because and, uh, I'm I'm here. I've been here for almost a year. So I'm doing my best to understand the culture and, and not try to bend the culture to me. I have to understand the culture and find a way to weave in. And uh, so so like I found uh, there's. Our discussions begin from from the Quran and then they they go out into fatwas, which kind of def- uh, are more like laws, edicts, explaining particular things that, 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 that go back. So I was able to find uh, earlier fatwas said hypnosis was a no-no because it, 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 because the belief was that it involved the use of evil. It involved the use of dark powers to manipulate people and make people do things. I was able to find a more recent set of fatwas that, that put it more on, online with meditation, hmm. yoga, uh, therapy, you know, that is okay. So, so the, as long as you're not using evil, using any evil powers and you are trying to, and your intention is good and you want to help people, you can do hypnosis. And that's, that's so if somebody, nobody's come to me and said, Hey, you're not allowed to do this, you know, but if they do, I've got this handy. 
And I've also shared it with the people in my meetup group and other discussion groups that I'm in over here. So I'm, I'm trying to show my awareness of the culture, my understanding of as, as best I can. Uh, the people here are wonderful. People have been, I've, I've met incredibly wonderfully open people here. Uh, I, I want to I I go back to the analogy thing for just a second, can I? Yeah, absolutely. So we allow metaphorical think, talk on hypnosis podcast. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I started thinking like, wow, how is this culture making doing this much change this fast? I mean, it's, it's been 58 years. I turned 58 in a couple of, in a couple of weeks, 58 years since the end of segregation. And we're still having issues in America. This has been five years and they have done monumental change. And so some of the, some of the, my observation of some of the differences. One, this is an extremely well-educated population. By 1964 in America, most people only had a, an elementary school education. This is the college is free here. Most of these, most most uh, Saudi citizens at least have uh, have a degree, have been to the United States, have traveled. They they speak English. Vast majority of them speak English, or at least are are very they're very well-educated. Um, so that wasn't the case in America. Next thing is they have they have a, they have access to information. You know, we didn't have the internet in 1964. Obviously, they have that. So so they have they have television that brings them. They have you know CNN and Al Jazeera that brings them news from around the world. So they can see. They're able to see. This is how other people live around the world. This is how other people treat people around the world. So they're able to say, oh. Okay, now I, I want to be part of that global community. I want to, to have these things also. It's not, we're not bringing them something that they've never seen before. They've seen hypnosis on television or in movies or something. They at least have seen things. Um, whereas, you know, again, America in 1964, we had what, three television stations, you know, and radio. So it depends on how you get your information. And of course, the, the TV then was heavily censored. So they only were, were going to broach so many topics. Uh, and the last thing, the last noticeable difference that I, that I made out is they have access to mental health. They have access to mental health care. Yeah. They have access to, they have ac access to, to, they can see a therapist. They can see a psychologist. They can see a counselor. They can see a hypnotist. Mm -hmm. If, you know, and that that never existed, you know, and, and it's still a big issue, which is a different topic for African-Americans is mental health, getting rid of the stigma of mental health of, of, of you know, what's wrong with you and, and how when what are you doing about it and why are you going to go see a psychologist for something that over that or a therapist or a hypnotist over that thing? See, I, I take everything you said and I also look at how we can apply the same statement to even different pockets of the United States. Mm -hmm. that, you know, I've, I've had people who, when I was in Virginia, you know, would try to draw every stereotype out of who would come to see me as, let's say, even just the stop smoking client or the weight loss client. And I say for every stereotype you might create in your mind, the opposite consistently comes in. You know, the well-educated person who might even be the doctor or the nurse, the number of healthcare providers that I saw for stop smoking. And yeah, we don't have to be flawless. Uh, yet I would say we should be willing to use our own modalities, the um, branching off of, you know, this law said this, and then eventually the fatwa said that. Um, I'll shorten the story, the moment where a client in my office said that she was going to quit smoking because her husband said she needed to. 
which is normally mm -hmm. a red flag, but she says, mm -hmm. in my Islamic faith, I need to honor and respect the wishes of my husband. Mm -hmm. And as the classic movie said, well, that's a horse of a different color. She then sat upright and said, by the way, I'm paying cash because he need not concern himself with how I've quit. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> so different parts of the world, different you know, segments. And mm -hmm. I, I love the way that you broke that down. I, I actually, before you even did that, I wrote down a formula, um, which will come down in a bit. And it's to ask the question of not necessarily the word why in a judgmental way, but really let's soften it. What are the experiences that help to validate people's belief systems? And it's where I, I think to a family member who, um, what was the old line when Ronald Reagan got shot? Hope the doctor's not a, hope the surgeon's not a Democrat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the family member who we kind of had to talk off the ledge that no, it's okay that your surgeon for this heart procedure is a woman. Uh, mm -hmm. which was 25 years ago and was already well established, but this is the person who didn't trust doctors and wouldn't go to one, no matter the gender apparently was the real story. Uh, but it's to ask, what is it that makes someone believe this? And I'd bring about the most far off correlation I can give you in the theater world. When I worked there, there were two people who were known for teaching actors how to speak with dialects. One of them was the mathematician. She would come in and teach the phonetic library and, you know, swap out this sound for that sound. And like you would rewrite your script. There's my dogs. You would rewrite <laughs> you would rewrite the, uh, the the script of the play phonetically to hit the right sounds in the way that this culture does this one, this culture does that one. Her quote competition, and the two are actually friends, would come in and for this group of actors explain what was going on in Northern Ireland as this play was written and what was going on in their culture and why the Northern Irish dialect is different than the traditional Irish accent. And as if by like, you know, osmosis or diffusion, as if like by magic, once they understood the psychological profile of the culture of the time, the actors had the dialect mm -hmm. uh, and she would do this and there'd be moments of, is that voice really coming from that little British lady? <laughs> of she would research the culture and what I the formula that I wrote down was when we catch ourselves in a place where we may be up against something, start with a formula of appreciation and then always lead with education and then the education then becomes advocacy. That mm -hmm. it's not the, and I haven't heard this at all, so we can throw rocks at this together. Um, I haven't heard the, oh, here's why they're wrong. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of people get into on topics even far beyond hypnosis and just in our culture. Instead, everything you just said was that appreciation of, well, here's why they are this way. Here's why it's different where I'm from. And once we have that appreciation, then we see the same way as in personal change, the same way into the problem can also become the same way out of it, that it is this you know, education, it's this advocacy, it's this, let's quote Steve Martin in the middle of this, as he once said, well, my business model was simple, just become so good, they can't ignore you. And <laughs> believe in it as much yourself, so others will then naturally follow. So then what kind of changes have you seen then in terms of, you know, working with the meetup group, working with your, I believe you're currently running a class out there and working with clients, in the short span of time, what's the difference that you've seen is now 
they have a better, let's say, understanding of exactly what is hypnosis and what you do? Well, it's not like I'm speaking to the entire population. So I just get to go by the people who, who I know and the people right. that, that come, my clients that come to see me. Um, what I can say is when I get a referral from somebody, somebody else that I've worked with, it's usually, oh, I spoke. To, she, she, she told me what happened. She told me everything about it. And I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> and uh, the most of my clients are women, but that's kind of universal because women will do something about whatever the problem is. Men will limp along forever, but women find something wrong and they want to fix it. So, so yay, women. <laughs> and uh, and over here, so, so getting to your question, over here, the biggest thing that I that I run into is women trying to keep up with the cultural change. So that means being able to work in vastly male spaces. I'm seeing women in the Ministry of Defense. That's it's never happened. It's never happened. It's the first time we're seeing women walk around in the Ministry of Defense. So being able to be in male spaces, be heard, be in the moment, be able to speak up when they need to, when they, you know, as part of their job. I worked with a lady who had a, just got promoted into a position and she had a brief. She, now, now that she's in this position, she has to give classes and instruction to men and to some women, but mostly to men. And it's, it's, it was such a it's such a cultural shock to her system to be in a position of authority around men. This is, again, not just five years ago, but five, six years ago, you could get in trouble. She could have gotten in trouble for being outside without a man. It could be a boy 10 years old, but she had to have male presence with her for her to be outside. And um, so for her to now be at the front, giving this giving this, this lecture on something that she has a degree in and is experienced in and is in, actually in a position of authority, it still gave butterflies. So, so, so to be able to help her with that, or the lady, uh, another client who had a, they were on a teleconference and her boss, because again, just because the law has changed, the culture hasn't changed, her boss introduces, says, oh, this is my assistant, and he keeps going every day, I'll do their intros. And uh, after our, because she came to me because of stuff like this, after our sessions, she said, he, he did that to her. And she says, after they do all the introductions, she says, actually, I'm the senior manager in charge of this, this, and this. I'm the person you come to if you have any problems with this. Please come back and you know see me if you have any questions. And she was just giddy, giddy with me, you know, in the follow-up session, saying, "I'm a bad, bad woman." <laughs> I spoke up. I stood my ground. I'm a bad, bad woman. You know, bad, bad in a, in a powerful way. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, well, she actually used a stronger word than the, than the one I'm using. I, I'm assuming so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but just those are the kinds of those are the kinds of things that I'm running into, and the kind of changes that we're seeing is people they're, they're they're looking to be more in the moment, more present, more able to speak up because the culture has not has has not allowed it, has not said that this is something that you can do. The culture here in this country has not said that's something that you can do. So those are the changes that I'm seeing and I'm really happy about. Okay, so this next question is entirely just for me and everyone else. You could all keep listening, uh, <laughs> and I, and I, no, and I will ask. I will say some questionable words in this, and only because it's the direct quote. The word is very mm -hmm. necessary for the story, uh, but it, it's like what you said, where society moves forward, and yet people still cling to the belief system. And I worked with her. She was in her early forties. 
and disclaimer to the word, it was a different time. And at one point, they looked at her as the young teenager, uh, or even late, you know, around 10 or 11 years old. And back then, the phrase was, well, you're retarded, let's put you in the slow class. Mm. And years later, it turned into, why is the girl with that word attached to her on track to become the valedictorian? And nowadays, there's a bigger span of a spectrum of definitions, Um, though I may be incorrect on this because I don't position myself as being someone who diagnoses or treats the diagnostic words. Um, Yet, I read something that, you know, there's some communities that say this is what the high functioning Asperger's is. This is now just including Mm -hmm. the autism spectrum. And she was really there instead of what the original slapped this word on her. And I mean... Running a multi-million dollar company and um, managing a team and funding a nonprofit and doing incredible advocacy work across different groups, not just in mental health. And yet on the days where something, you know, gets in the way, the internal story is still the old word that someone attached to her. And even though she knows that's not who I am, that's not what I've gone through, um, it's instead, here's what I've done as a result of it. And how do we let go of the story ourselves? And I mean, the military personnel that I'd work with more so when I was in Virginia, so much of it, and this is something I learned from Michael Elner of the, I'm not the person I used to be being part of the story. And that can go in a negative way. And it can also, in her case, the story I just shared goes in a positive way. So as much as society may be the slow moving train and yes, we can create change rapidly. Is is that something that you've run into anywhere where they're holding on to the story, they're holding on to the perception, not just the culture around them? Is it moving forward? Yeah, yeah, I I, I think that's the probably the vast majority of what I have over here, and it's very working here is very similar to working with the African American community, where the younger people now are embracing hypnosis more and more more open to it, but the people my old people like me. Are, are very reluctant to, um, but that's, it's just, I, I think you hit the nail on it earlier that it's just a matter of making sure that they, they feel, they, they, they sense the respect of the culture, the respect of themselves. And, uh, and that I'm not trying to impose anything on anybody. I'm just, I'm just providing education. Yeah. Which I know this year, this episode, you know, we record this in advance and then we release them on schedule recording at the end of June. And this is coming out uh, basically the first full week of July. And I know coming up later in July, you're going to be uh, speaking on some of these themes at HypnoThoughts Live. And uh, no, this is not me asking you to give the entire presentation now. Uh, <laughs> but can you hit on some of the themes and let people know what that? what that presentation is going to be. Sure. This year, I've done it at HypnoThoughts for the last couple of years. I've done it over at uh, NGH, also in other places. Uh, BlurredCon, I go go out to, the BlurredCon is a black nerd conference. So I go out and I do discussions there. And and the discussion is about- uh, I just learned a new word and you made my day. (laughs) The blurreds. BlurredCon. I'm going to resist Googling that while you now answer my question. I'm going to write it down to look at it later. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I try to get out into the black community. I, I run the uh, Association of Black Hypnotists group on Facebook. Uh, the, so at a, in, in HypnoThoughts Live this year, instead of just me, we're doing a panel discussion. We have some really good uh, 
African-American hypnotists or African hypnotists, actually one's just one's African hypnotist, but speaking about hypnosis nice. from a black perspective, and every, every, we're going to give a few minutes of discussion about uh, perceptions in the black community, perceptions hypnotists have, perceptions black people have, and then we're also going to give each of the panel members a chance to tell their own story, their own story, their own observations, what it means to them to be black and be a hypnotist. Uh, it's it's going to be a very very good discussion. It's it's not it's not a, a racism. You're you're all racist. Racist. Here's racism. Here's the history of racism. This is about being black and how we're seen, how we interact, uh, things that, that, that how people perceive us and and treat us, uh, and how hypnosis is seen by the black community. You know, like I was saying, you know, there's a there's been a huge stigma attached to it in the, in the black community. And there's very much a, uh, if it's something, if it's a soft thing, you know, depression, soft, like not, not, not a, you don't have a broken bone. You know, you, you have depression, you have anxiety, you have stress, all that stuff. It really is seen as something that you can, uh, that you should be able to just handle on your own. And, and that's, we're finally breaking through that. We're finally breaking through that, but we're going to talk about some some origin type stories, some stories of how uh, people were treated differently, and some stories maybe of how we were treated the same, regardless. So it, it, it'll be a, it'll be a good discussion. I hope people come out. This is don't look at the title and say black black perspectives and think that this is a class a discussion for black people. It is not a discussion. For, it's it's really the opposite. It's us talking to everybody else, saying, "Come on in, ask us some questions, find out more about this demographic, and how you can reach it as hypnotists." And, and let's 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 provide some education and information. So I'd be curious to ask two things, which I'm sure will probably come up during the panel. You mentioned that here's the younger generation that is responding to it um, in a very different way. Is there something you can pinpoint, and it may be something you've already talked about, as to if there was a specific cultural shift, which kind of defines why a new generation is coming into this? Okay, so this is only Stephen's opinion, and I'm not an anthropologist yeah. or anything like this. Is only my opinion. I think that the older community was very religiously rooted, and and, and there's, there's a, a phrase that we, that's used. You know, you get, just just pray. You know, pray pray about it. If there's something wrong with you, pray about it. And and if it's still wrong with you, then you're not praying hard enough. And again, education, cultural shift over time, access to information. Younger people say, oh, mental illness is a real thing or depression is a real thing. And there's stuff you can do about it. There's actual other stuff that you can do about it. And that's not saying that is not a dis uh, cast disper dispersion on religion on anybody's religion, anything like that. But what the younger people are, are finding out is, OK, this is one more tool. I can see a therapist. I can go. I can do this. I can do that, or I can see this hypnotist. This is one more thing. So they're they're much more uh, able to see options. See this as an option for 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 whatever whatever it is that they want to work on. And does, as you know, it doesn't have to be something that's wrong with you. We now know we can use hypnosis to do things better. Be a better athlete. Be a better student. Be a better singer. Be a better whatever. So you don't have to have a problem. And so that's they're also embracing that too. How can I use this to be better at things? So that's the big. That's the probably the the, the one main thing was the, the older community because you know for for a long for the longest time religious is what held the black community together is what kept us going. 
So it kept us from <laughs> kept us from from losing our minds a lot of time is being able to have being able to pray, have a good religious center, and and to be to be to be able to endure. I branch off of the word better, and I share you know a personal experience, which, and I've had this conversation with other you know um, other cultures, other ethnicities, other everything over time, and there's this balance sometimes, which is. You know, I, I'll leave out the who because it's something we, this person actually said, the podcast episode doesn't need to be about that. Um, yet it was the, I don't want to have the highlighting as to here's the, oh, and they're this. Um, but there's this balance of representation, but also this desire to go, and I can appreciate this intention because like, even as I work with my clients, uh, I'm like, I don't want you coming back next week and saying, wow, this was amazing. I hit the gym three times and I ate on my diet the full week. Because if you're celebrating that, yes, that's good. But that means you're still observing it as it being unique. Right. And not just and I want so. you to, you know, treat it as if the, you know, someone here is my usual routines when I'm not recovering from a surgery. And they're like, um, <laughs> how do you go to the gym like that? So, well, I've kind of done it for eight years. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just what I do. And, you know, I've had moments of back when it was the stage hypnosis and it was the little nudge. And there's a horrible joke. That's an aside to this, uh, <laughs> which was, I sent the posters to a school one time and it showed with permission photos that were taken from various schools. Um, and the rule was if it was a photo, they also used for the yearbook. It meant it was going out in a public platform. And I then reached out and got permission to go. Can I get access to that photo and use it in a poster? And we got kids to sign off and the parents to sign off on it. And it only took one time. And they were absolutely right for the school administrator to look at the posters and go, huh, a lot of white kids. It's like, well, we're not quite representing. So I, I kind of ask you, and it's okay if it's entirely general, um, but as we're aware of the entire rest of our hypnosis culture, if you can kind of pinpoint either one or two things that either we can do better or we can be mindful of. Uh, to move forward, what would that possibly yeah, be? Yeah, I don't want—I don't want to do too much of the actual discussion for hypno thoughts, but I, yeah. I would say uh, one or two things would be: don't feel like don't don't eliminate yourself from from the, from that community. Don't say, "Well, they wouldn't want to talk to me because I'm white" or something. You know, reach out, find an event. Reach out to the community, see if they're interested. See, you know, come. You might have to go to them, go to where they are, go to where the people are, whatever, whoever they are, whatever that group is Asian, gay, trans, whatever, whatever that group is, black, find out where they are and say, hey, you know, I, this is what I do. Is, do you, can, I, can I come give a class? Can I come? You, you got to give them some exposure to it. And uh, that's that's probably the most important thing is to, is to to reach out and uh, and and get some cultural awareness. Cult, some some cultural awareness would really help. And, and I, I did a class on rapport and diversity over at, at NGH a few years ago, and the guy says, "Oh, just be professional." No, it takes a little bit more than that. You really gotta have to. Have to yeah. <laughs> you know, he was dead serious, and thankfully, this uh, this this retired uh, army. Um, clergy, she had been in the army for 30 something years. She says, no, no, no. You have to have a database of different cultures so that you can relate to people where they are. 
and not expect everybody to come to you. You got to be able to relate to them. So, but, but you have to, in order for you to gain that database, that mental database, you have to go visit, immerse yourself, participate in, understand the culture. You know, they're, they're not con- they're not going to come bank hunting you down. You have to go. You have to go get in there, find out. You know, go to a Juneteenth thing and say, okay, what is this? I don't know. Let me find out. You know, you have to be able to yeah. do that with, with with whatever the group is. I love that as the approach because again, it goes back to what you had said earlier about how education has been the key. You know, and this is not my quote, but it was the button on that previous conversation of uh, what was it they said. Um, integration without without absolutely necessary spotlighting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can appreciate that. So it's not the, oh, we're doing this because. It's like, no, I just want to connect with other people and say, here's a way I can help. Can I be a resource? Right. And to lead with that is where so much of it moves forward. I do have the tie up the loop that I opened <laughs> up earlier, though, which is the group of us in college as myself, the half Jew, half Southern Baptist family and uh, I'll let your imagination fill in the rest of the details that our circle of friends we refer to as the college catalog cover. Because uh, <laughs> like, oh, we really have everyone here. It's like, oh, yeah. And it was not until someone else six months into the friendship goes, oh, did you notice? I'm like, no, we didn't. And that's kind of what makes it better rather than going, oh, because. Uh, this has been eye-opening, especially to hear the the connections to how the experience living in the States to then what another culture is going mm-hmm. through. And we're always, we're always kind of on the cusp of the next civil rights movement and variations of that and what we all continue to understand. So I, I thank you for the work that you're doing and where can, where can people get in contact with you? How can they find out more about you, Stephen? So yes, I'm a, I'm a, I'm still a bit of a dinosaur. I, uh, I have my I have my website explorehypno.com. Unfortunately, I'm not on. Uh, that's explorehypno.com. Uh, you can email me at info at explorehypno.com. That'll come right to me. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not on Snapchat, Insta, or anything like that. Uh, those are the best ways to reach me. And or, or if you're on Facebook, you can find out the you can join the uh, Association of Black Hypnotists. It's actually only for black hypnotists. So we, we appreciate the allies. We appreciate the co-conspirators, but this is a, that's a, a space just for us to be able to talk about whatever we're doing and, and issues that we're having or something like that. Absolutely fair as neither of us can join the hypnotic women group, but we can support Kelly. There Keywords we go. In that amazing exactly. group too. Exactly. <laughs> Which tell you what, this is episode number 380 of the podcast. So if y'all go to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 380 that'll bring you over to the show notes and Stephen, i'll connect with you to get all the links that way we can share those with everyone who listens and uh, again phenomenal to have you on if you remember i have appropriately pestered you a few times over the years to come on this <laughs> yes. program and thank you so much for saying yes and thank you so much to whoever laid the internet over in saudi arabia because the connection has been phenomenal uh in terms of audio quality uh before we wrap this up any final thoughts for the listeners out there Again, when it, if it comes to, to other cultures, is to go ahead and venture out and learn learn about the culture. A lot of a lot of a lot of my approach to this has been has come from the Marine Corps, where we go around the world and have to fit in. Have to, we, the first thing we do is have to understand the culture that we're about to step into. Understand it first. 
then go in and then see how, you know, see, we have them see what we can do and if we, how we can help. But you have to understand the other culture first. Uh, this is being here has been very interesting is that I'm uh, I'm not the black hypnotist. I'm not the black guy over here. I'm just I'm just the American. I'm the American hypnotist over here. And uh, so that's that's been interesting as well. But, yeah, overall education, understanding a little bit of humility goes a long, long way. See, I told you so. Hey, it's Jason Lynette. This has been the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast. And all the references we made, the resources we mentioned, the ways to connect with Stephen, head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 380. Worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 380. That will give you the show notes specifically for this episode, tell you about the upcoming HypnoThoughts Live convention, the ways to connect with Stephen, and the ways to help our incredible community grow and break barriers all around the world to all sorts of cultures. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. 